Hello, everybody, and welcome to a depressing edition of the House Divided podcast. As always, Brendan and Jeremy are here to break down the awful week in Michigan and Michigan State sports. Well, awful for one of us. Um, Jeremy, how are you? Ah, doing, uh, doing all right. Um, you know, I guess if we had to uh, start a show, might as well have the bad season be the first season, right? It, of course, uh, yeah. Can only go up from here is my assumption. <laughs> yeah, no. In, in reality, it could have been worse. Could be a decent expression for both of our teams, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, not not the great season we were hoping for. Maybe when we did the football season preview. But basketball looks like it'll be a pretty fun season in the Big Ten. We'll get to all that later. Um, first, just a couple pieces of news both related to Michigan this week. Today, it was announced that Michigan and Kentucky have a three-game series schedule over the next three years in basketball. With next December, they are playing in the O2 Arena in London, England. And then the following year in December, it's at Chrysler. And then the following year in 2022, it'll be at Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, I am a huge fan of this. I'm very excited about it. I think it's a big draw for recruiting because you're promising your 2020 recruits a trip to London to play a blue blood. And then, you know, these big matchups, especially on campus, we're big on campus guys on this podcast. So seeing, having them play a home and home, even after a neutral site game is really exciting for me. Yeah. I think it's really smart. If I was in, you know, the Michigan athletic department, I would be looking for, you know, one of the champions classic teams every year. Uh, If MSU is going to be in the champions classic and get to experience those three teams, uh, if I was Michigan, I think it'd be, uh, it'd be wise to want one of those three on your schedule as well. Um, Just for, you know, both schools getting the chance to play those teams. But uh, I like that Juwan and, uh, and the athletic department went after this series. The O2 game should be pretty crazy. Um, I remember when MSU played in Germany, it was really weird. Uh, weird timing and weird everything. Uh, even worse than like the Maui games, I bet, uh, as far as time difference. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that should be an awesome series. I bet it's uh, uh, not going to be a cheaper, affordable ticket. So, no. <laughs> it is going to be for the rich donors and the rich uh, alums. But, uh, no, that's an awesome series. It's cool if they start with the one game up front because, uh, you know, I always have a feeling that you put that one at the front and then you have to guarantee the home and home. We know we're going to get all three. So that's uh, that's the way to do it. Yeah, definitely. I, I was just talking to my girlfriend Megan today about it. I was like, man, 2020 would be a fun year for traveling for Michigan sports if uh, – it was coming later in my life when I had money because football goes to Seattle on opening weekend <laughs> and then basketball in London. I'm like, those are cool places that I would love to follow the team, but uh, I'm scheduled to graduate next December. So I don't really have time or money for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's a lot of lotto tickets and a lot of lotto drawings between now and then. So, yeah, that's uh, true. That's you got true. a shot. A, a very, very small shot. Um, Speaking of teams with a small shot, Michigan soccer was continually kicking in the NCAA tournament. Uh, They fell last weekend in the Sweet 16 to Wake Forest. 
So that run is over. I've updated everybody throughout the turn throughout the last couple weeks of the season. I figured I might as well tell them it's over. Um, now hey, you made it as far as Indiana, so yeah, you know, not a not a bad uh, measuring stick at the end of the year, and um, yeah, it was a fun ride while it lasted. But uh, yeah, we'll have to uh, cover soccer a little closer, hopefully next year. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. I think there could be a lot of fun uh, in Michigan so- – or not Michigan, but Big Ten soccer. It's a pretty good league, actually, uh, compared to around the country. Uh, which brings us – now our news section is over, and we are moving on to football. So let me take a big sip of this uh, Jim Beam and Coke real quick, and we'll get into this. <laughs> uh, going to play Ohio State this weekend. I was there. I wish I wasn't. Um, uh, Jeremy, you ever had it where something good happens at the beginning of the game and you let your emotions take over and then look like a buffoon later? Oh, yeah. Uh, I call that 2016 uh, opening drive against Michigan um, <laughs> where yeah. you come out with some scripted plays, right? You come out, you run the script, and you're like, oh, well, okay. I mean, this is our rival. Maybe maybe if we're going to put together a game in this – I mean, your season was not like a 3-9 and nine season, so don't take it that way. But, you know, you go into there and you're like, oh, well, this is a decent drive and this is the rival game. Who knows? Let's see what happens. And then uh, the rest of the game happens. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I've been there. It's, uh, it's not fun. I don't recommend it for anybody, uh, but at least I guess as a Michigan fan at this point, um, you know, I'm assuming you were like everyone else, including me, even as a non-Michigan fan, uh, when J.K. Dobbins fumbled back to himself, that's when you you just kind of knew at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. I knew – well, I knew from the missed extra point, actually. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Like Quinn missed one. Yeah, he missed the opening on the opening drive. He missed an extra point, which, by the way, and that drive was that was a great drive. It was. It was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I, I knew from then it was over. And I just want to make it clear: I was not the one who ended up looking like a buffoon. I got excited and cheered on my team, but I did not talk shit to any of the Ohio State fans around me because I knew what was coming. Uh, there were some other Michigan fans who did not take that approach. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, I mean, like, it was cold. It was uh, depressing. It was a rough afternoon in the big house, and you warned me, and all of the people that care about me warned me. But <laughs> it couldn't stop me, man. I was excited. And... I received the appropriate punishment for that, which is watching my team get absolutely dummied again. Yeah, in this one, I mean, the nice part for you is that you do get to play Ohio State at the end of the year. So I don't think uh, we had any – we knew by then that, yeah, Ryan Day was the real deal. Um, or they had not taken a step back. If anything, they're better than they were last year. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go into the season thinking like this is a good year. Jay's senior year, we don't know what Justin Fields is, we don't know what Ryan Day is, and then that happened. That's yeah. just, so that's demoralizing. 
yeah. So there's an incredible disconnect between the preseason feelings and what people felt like going into the game. Because in preseason, people were actually saying, if Jim Harbaugh can't win this year against Ohio State, he's never going to because of all that. Like, they didn't really have a backup this year, so if Justin Fields gets hurt, they're done. Um, Ryan Day's not experienced. A lot of people were thinking that. And then 11 games into the year, their closest game, and it's an 11-point win over Penn State, in which they fumbled several times at inopportune times. And so you have a different feeling, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm going to disagree with you on the point about playing them in the last game of the year. Uh, while it would have hurt a lot to play them in, like, week five and have that happen uh, because of where we thought Ohio State was going to be, it kills me that every single year Michigan has a good year, except for 2017. They have a good year, and this is the way it ends because it just leaves that bitter taste in your mouth. Um, it's demoralizing. I mean, Michigan is stuck in purgatory. And what, by that, I mean that they're not a bad team. They're not even a mediocre or kind of good team. Or program, I guess I should say. They are a good to really good program under Jim Harbaugh. In the bowl game, they're going to be playing to have their fourth 10-win season in five years under Jim Harbaugh. That is a really good program. The only problem here is that they are stuck right there because their biggest rival is an elite program. And that biggest rival plays in the same division. So it just feels like you're stuck in the mud right now because you can't beat them in recruiting because to beat them in recruiting, you have to get you have to show that you can win on the field to attract top talent. But on the field, they have all the top talent because you can't win in recruiting. It feels like this program is stuck um, to the point where Michigan fans are talking after the game like, all right, for next year, the goal is to go 11-0, take our ass whooping, and play good in a New Year's Six Bowl. Is there another program in the country that's talking like that going into a year? No, and actually, as you were talking, the program I was thinking of, I think if I was a Michigan fan, would be the most frustrated by is we can't wait to be Auburn. You know, I yes. mean, yeah. Auburn is by no means consistent, but even even this season, not a great Auburn team, and, and certainly you can talk about Tua being out, but they're not letting Alabama win 15 out of 16 or go on a long winning streak. So here's uh, the thing, yeah. I, Alabama's far the more consistent program, but Auburn finds a way to trip them up in a couple of years. I, that's – Yeah, no, this is something – It's got to be crazy talk. that Michigan can't do that. Yeah, no, it, it, it is super shitty because I have all these reasons for why this is happening. But then you look down south, and it's almost the exact type same situation, you know? And Bill Connolly actually put out, like, ratings since Jim Harbaugh got here. Auburn and Michigan are nearly identical, other than the fact that Auburn can beat their rival at home once in a while. And that's it. And um, But then you look at – I don't know if you – if anybody here listening doesn't uh, pay attention to Bill Connolly's Twitter – on the Monday after a college football weekend and look at all the advanced box scores you need to because it's fascinating. Do you know what Auburn's post-game win probability was against Alabama? Uh, yeah, it probably wasn't above 20%, was it? Six. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know what Michigan's was? Two pick sixes and uh, like 40%? No, it was two. Two? Two. But for the other crazy. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is that, A, Ohio State's the better team this year than Alabama, and they had their starting quarterback. And, B, that's only a 4% difference. That is not that different of a performance. But, yeah, on the other side, you have Auburn making huge pick sixes against a backup quarterback. You know, and that was one of the most fun college football games I've ever watched. But um, still, can you hear me still? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm here. Um, sorry about that, folks. The internet's being. Yeah, I'm there now. Um, okay. Hold on. Um, all right. Hello, everybody. We are back. Uh, sorry, I had some technical difficulties. My Wi-Fi is not great tonight. Um, but, yes, we were talking about Michigan and Ohio State and how it feels like Michigan's in purgatory, and we are making comparisons to Alabama-Auburn. To talk, actually, about the game for a minute, um, the first half was even outside of about three or four plays. Michigan in those four, three or four plays are the missed extra point, the fumble in the, uh, the, the fumble at the 18 yard line that they turned it over on third and eight and the uh, drop touchdown pass to Donovan Peoples Jones, where he gets it jarred out and the, um, the punt where they jumped offside. That's it. And that's the killer. And that that, that that's was such a killer because you go, you go from the fumble by Patterson to your defense gets a stop. So you're still annoyed that you don't score on that. You're in the red zone, but hey, you got to stop. You're going to get off the field. You're going to get the ball back uh, just before the half. And not only uh, do you jump off sides, then Ohio State comes right back and like two plays later, bombs a pass down into your five yard line. And they score late in the half, and they get the ball first in the second half. That yeah, and that's a like killer. A it's a backbreaker. Win. It's an absolute backbreaker. Um, and then you add in all the breaks that Ohio State was getting with J.K. fumbling it and having it bounce back into his lap. I mean, if you drop a football 5,000 times, you're probably not going to have that happen again. Like, it, it's oh, absolutely, no. absolutely insane. And then uh, them – the, the referee's not calling delay a game on second and 19, and then they hit a crossing route over the middle and get the first down on that play. I mean, every break that Ohio State could have gotten in the first half, they did. And let's be honest, with how good this Ohio State team and how good this Michigan team is, they needed to play a perfect game. And even then, it might not have been enough. So that's how you get that wide of a margin. The most offensive thing to me in this game was giving me false hope in the fourth quarter. That was a dick move. Like, you're, you're down 23, get a touchdown, go for two, and then get a stop? Come on, man. I didn't need that. I did not need that one bit. And, of course, uh, they obviously go four and out, turn the ball over. Ohio State scores quick, and the blowout's back on. But, I mean, you get that ball back down 15, the way your offense was churning yards out, and even on that fourth and one wildcat play, 
somebody showed me the film of it, and if Hassan Haskins would have waited like half a more second, he had a gap that probably would have led to at least a 50-yard gain, if not a touchdown. Um, so it's just absolutely f- fucking brutal. It, I, I, I'm sick of being Ohio State's rival. If you want to trade, I'm in. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So uh, I'm going to cheer you up a little bit because I'm going to make fun of MSU. Uh, but here's, here's one thing that I thought of uh, really just now as I was thinking about it. Do so you remember uh, actually in the game that we mentioned, that 2016 uh, MSU game, uh, D'Antonio made the hilarious decision to go for two late in that game. Right. Yes. And fired. Julius Peppers gets to return it. You know, it's a great moment for Michigan. He runs fast, all of that. Uh, as embarrassing as that was, like, yeah, the math didn't really make sense. It was stupid. It's a stupid macho move, and it backfired. Like, you, like all Michigan fans want it to backfire on D'Antonio. At least we could come away from that saying, like, well, he's going to put more points on Michigan. If I was in that stadium when Jim Harbaugh decided that I'm going to kick a sad field goal against Ohio State late in a blowout, I think I probably would be banned from the stadium for life for what I was saying to Jim Harbaugh at that point. I, uh, I am not a booer against my own team. Uh, when he put the field goal unit on, I booed for sure. I did. Oh, that's not even the kids, right? You're booing the coach. That's, no, yeah. yeah the that's... kids don't decide to go out there and kick the field goal. This isn't, like, something where I drunkenly decided to do it. I thought it out, like, as he's making this decision. I'm, like, in my head, I'm, like, okay, if I'm booing this, I'm not booing the kids. I'm booing Jim Harbaugh. And he ended up going through with it. And I I booed. And I was a part of a decent chunk of at least my section that did. Because, you know, going from 26 to 23 sounds hilarious. It did make a difference if they were going to come back. And I know it seems unlikely, but we were two drives away. And I – never mind. That sounds like such a loser thing to say. I don't know. I can't defend the fucking field goal. Like, it it drives me nuts. And then – It drove me nuts in the first half. Okay, no. Ramming it down your throat. Mm-mm. Although I um, did, Brian from Memco Blog did make a good point about that. There's a big difference between 15, I think it was from 15 to 12. Huge difference. Right? Yeah, and so that yeah. was my thought on that. I agreed with the decision because at that point, like I said, you know, we, 2020 vision, or <laughs> hindsight's 2020. I can't talk tonight. Um, but hindsight is 2020. We saw them got blown, they got blown out. So it's easy to say that now. But, like, in Harbaugh's defense of that first field goal decision, you've played a pretty even game with them outside of a couple mistakes. Like, you haven't been able to stop their offense. But outside of a fumble and, like, one red zone stance, they haven't really been able to stop yours either. So I get it because 15 to 12 is a huge difference. And you have to have faith in Don Brown to adjust and think. And you're thinking, okay. Here's my thing there. That's – that's the rational fan thought and the rational coach thought. But me as an upset fan, they fucking housed us last year. I we know. haven't stopped them today. Why am I assuming that Don Brown why, – why are we assuming Don Brown is going to make an adjustment? I wasn't. He hasn't done it. I, I wasn't. And so so you've got to go for it there. I don't I, care if I, it's a I see 
I see it completely. But if I'm being like completely honest, I feel better about 28 to 16, a lot better than I think it's more than likely if you go for it, you're not getting it. And if you're down 28 to 13 and you just gave up a chance to grab some points, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how to feel about this game. I'm sick of it. Yeah. I, I, We'll have plenty of the off season to. Um, I would say we can we can move on, but I guess I guess my last thing on it is you're zero and four against Ohio State as a coach. I know. I know. You, at some point, you know you're not going to get fired over this game, and I don't think he should. You know, he's really done a good job of building the program. It's one program that he can't beat. But at some point while you preach to your players toughness, while you preach to your players how important this game is and how you do anything for them, you have to go out there and go outside of your normal self and just try something new to win this game because you're 0-4 now you're 0-5. So it didn't have to be today. It didn't have to be or this week, but he's got to do something. I know. Because you can't just keep lining up with Don Brown, assuming adjustments are going to work or, you know, you just you got to do something different. I don't know what it is because it's Ohio State really cares. Uh, like, you know, but he's got to try something. I know. And, and I – trust me, like, I'll be saying the same thing in maybe a month or two. Just at this point, I'm, I'm exhausted, man. Like, it's just – Oh, I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't know. I, I will take – the last thing I want to talk about this game, I know it – from the outside, without context, it looked like an absolute chump move what Harbaugh did in the press conference, saying he's not going to answer insults. And I didn't love that answer from him. But I'm going to take a moment to defend him just for a second. This is a man where, he, A, he already had to hear prior in the conference press conference, somebody asked him if he cares about winning this game. And somebody, a part of the press, Yelled from the back, no. He's already dealt with this. And then you have a guy, like he says, is it a talent gap? And then he says, is it a coaching gap? And that was what Jim took as an insult. And you can throw out as many facts as you want. And it is, it is probably a coaching gap. But I, I'm not going to sit here and blame him after another crushing defeat for being a little bit snippy after somebody questions his coach. No. So I, I just wanted to no, get No, no, I think that's fine. Yeah. No, I think that's fine. And I think the the thing that I hate about press conferences the most, and it's been something that has bothered me this year more than many, to be honest, because um, is the tweeting out of press conferences, writers don't do a great job of it, and they certainly never give context. And I well, understand it's, and it's a hard lot to, going on. It, it, it's hard. Yeah. We don't want to blame a, a writers completely because it is no. hard. Twitter has just what really kills it. Easy. Yeah, it, what kills it is the people who aren't listening to the interview in in like the writers or you or I like sitting there listening to the full press conference because we're nerds. Uh, you know, and we're sitting there and like we understand the full context, but then you get like one writer tweets about it, and then someone from the athletic retweets it, and it becomes a whole thing, right? And it becomes yep. a meme, and you're like, well, that's one tenth of the answer provided, uh, but. 90% of the people will never follow up on that. Yeah, and so, so it, it, it sucks. Train. But, yeah, let's 
let's move on to Michigan State's big program win against Maryland. Um, <laughs> oh, man. You know, honestly, I was sitting there. I watched the second half, and, man, it, it kind of looked like they just didn't give a shit for, like, about ten minutes. So you sound like a lot of people that were sitting around me in the stadium. <laughs> um, uh, not me personally, because to me, especially in the stadium, I, I think that's just a horseshit. Like it is someone it is. who they're just all, doesn't know what's going on. They're, like, they're I all athletes. Like when like they say it about like hockey games, I'm like, no, no, you're just missing all the stuff that's happening. Uh, um, but no, I can certainly see that. Uh, I think. I think the youth showed a lot on defense, uh, and it really costed them when you had stuff like the long 60-yard touchdown. I mean, you have a linebacker who's only starting his, what, third game since Bocce got suspended, third or fourth game, yeah. uh, makes a bad cut. And this is an NFL, at least by speed standards, McFarland is an NFL running back. So if you miss a cut on him, he's gone. Uh, we don't have anyone quick enough to, to catch up to him. So – there was just it was one of those games where like there's that and then you have on offense you have the seniors making the mistakes. Brian Lewerke continuing to just the, the game could have been twenty one nothing in the first quarter. Uh but it's only yeah. three nothing because of two interceptions and uh you know, I love Brian Lewerke. I he's done a ton for the program. He's been here through probably one of the hardest stretches as a pretty talented quarterback. But you know, to be honest, if Next year, we just run the ball 70% of the time and have a quarterback on the 30% of the time that he throws it be a little bit more accurate than the rookie. That might be an improvement because it's just too hot and cold. Yeah. Uh, and, and it happened again. He had a pretty good game against Maryland. I think he went like 30 of 41, you know, which is above his normal for uh, completion percentage. He had over 300 yards. He put up good numbers, but those two picks, especially the one in the end zone where it's just a terrible underthrow. Yeah. And you just got to turn over to get short field and, and then you do that. So ugly game. Uh, but, you know, I give them a ton of credit for everyone around me. I said they were quitting. If they really wanted to quit, they would have never came back in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. They, they had no reason to grind that out. Uh, and they ground, man. They, they ground it out. I've seen teams quit. Uh, that wasn't a team that quit per se. That is a team that's just – you had a mix of veterans and young guys that just probably have barely practiced together. They probably are on different units the whole time. And it's it's a, the end of a six-and-six six season. So that's yeah, what that looks like. <laughs> and and when, I, when I said that about, you know, you obviously know I was messing around. Oh, no, no, yeah, I know. No, 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 I know. But it, for anybody to like cold, Brent, I don't think anyone cared. <laughs> <laughs> no, like to sit there and like seriously say these kids don't care is just asinine. I never understood that. Like I I played sports at not even close to the highest level. And like nobody's going through the motions. Like it, I couldn't imagine being a division one athlete in thing Here's having thing people that, think that I don't care during a game. And you know they all do. And I assume that I assume that most people have played sports uh, that interact on Twitter. I never want to make the assumption that someone's like, I never played the game type of person, but I never know if people have played contact sports late enough in their life to know. Uh, if those kids are quitting out there, 
you know, because guess what? They're injured. Yeah. Because if you aren't playing a contact sport at full speed, you're you're injured. Yeah. That's the only like. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You are getting hurt. So. Yeah. And that was one. <laughs> you're thing. not tense. You're not everything. And I and I know Maryland sucks. So a lot of people were saying that the team quit or whatever. A. Maryland had the good turnover luck. B, they have certain players. As a team, they're extremely flawed. They're not good. They have certain players, like Anthony McFarlane, who are very good. Very, very good. Um, yeah, like you, uh, like you always hear coaches say, they have scholarship players too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are they as, do they have as much depth? Maybe not, but they have scholarship players too. Um, and they – had more pride than I thought they were going to have. It kind of felt like one of those where uh, the I kept sitting there and saying, like, you know, we're playing way better than them, but this is just one of those games that, like, we're just letting them hang around long enough for them to be like, you know what, screw it. We can easily win this game. <laughs> and they got to that point. Um, but, you know, get on get on MSU to finish it out uh, and give give all the other fan bases plenty to laugh at with the hats at the postgame. Yeah, man. I tell you what, like, as a coach, it isn't your job to think about how Twitter is going to react to something you do. It's your job to try and get everything out of these kids while they're here. And so, on one hand, I don't blame D'Antonio for the program win. Hats, I think it's a little bit silly, and I don't think any kid's going to try and go into a game being like, man, we got to win this so I can get that goddamn hat. But, like, let's <laughs> see. But see, now you've already misunderstood it. They were given the hats on Friday night. Oh, no. Uh. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, one thing takes off on Twitter, and it's the whole thing. No, so what he did is the same thing they did in 2012. Um, he gives them the hats at the, like, dinner on Friday or whatever, you know, team dinner, team video session, whatever they do on Friday night. And – he did the same thing in 2012 and just like gave him the hat. And it was just like, kind of like a, just a last thought, like, Hey, tomorrow is we're still playing for something. It's still a program win, but it wasn't held as a, uh, yeah. Like yeah. a trophy or a reward. Okay. It was, it was a motivation. hundred percent. It was a motivation. It'd be like, if you hand out like, Hey, for warmups tomorrow, we're all wearing this t-shirt or we're all wearing this, whatever. Yeah. Um, no. it's like that. See, and I know? completely so, get that. It still kind of feels like, and it shouldn't because these are set. This is a separate team than what MSU was five years ago. Like completely separate guys, almost everybody except for the coaching staff. So there's no reason to say that giving out hats to try and motivate people to go six and six and make a bowl game is like the defeated with dig- dignity headline. But right. it just, like when you just come across it on Twitter, is that not just what it feels like? I mean, I don't know. Right. It, just because of where this MSU program was to yeah. hats for a bowl game. But really, like you said, it, especially with the context, like it's whatever, man. I, well, you know, you said, I think rival fan bases getting their laughs at it is totally okay. What oh, yeah. mean more than anything with the, MS, with the MSU fans being like, oh, see – Oh, D'Antonio, he's just over it. Oh, you know what? When D'Antonio was winning 10 games a season, he was doing this cheesy shit too, and you were eating it up. 
Yep. We're only complaining now because we're losing. Uh, this is who he is. This is how he's always been, like it or hate it. And you loved it a couple of years ago. So yeah. would I say that it would make a difference for me as a player? Maybe, maybe not. But you know what? If I committed to the man as a high school recruit, I don't have to love everything that he does, but I probably like him enough that he's not going to – that's the thing. Like, these players don't think guys are cheesy. Like, they made a choice to be here. So yeah. they clearly like the man enough to be here and play for him. I don't think they are sitting on social media at night like, oh, this hat's going to make us look goofy. No. They, it, it, it's That's coach. That's what he does, yeah. right? So uh, it was just a thing. But, um, hey, man, bo- having a bowl game, is better than not. So yeah, no, uh, glad they glad they pulled it out. And that's completely true. And so let's transition into some bowl talk because that was my last point for football. Um, yeah, Michigan State. Uh, I thought they were destined for the quick lane bowl if they got to six and six. Uh, it's looking like maybe not. Uh, I heard uh, just via Twitter that it's looking like the pinstripe bowl. Um, which is in New York and Yankee Stadium against Pitt is the most likely scenario that Michigan State is looking at. This is a huge bummer for Michigan State, I think, because if you have to travel and you get to go somewhere warm, that's fun. If you have to be somewhere cold, you'd probably just want to drive about an hour down the road. But instead, you get to travel to somewhere cold. Am I off base on this? I don't think you're off base so much. Um, I, again, I think there's a difference between maybe the way that a fan or a player would interpret it. I think for fans, they would love to have the team be local, indoor game, tons of alum in Detroit. And obviously, even if you're not in Detroit, but you're from near there, you can drive over. Um, all of that is great. And then, yeah, New York fans probably aren't going to travel. Maybe if you already are in New York as a alum, you'll go. But I think for the players, maybe there will be a pretty cool thing. Like uh, I know Tara Stafford from uh, Twitter. Somebody probably from Twitter. She's also the Zero Dark Sparty podcast. Uh, Shout out to them. Yeah. She messaged with uh, Matt Seibert before, I know. And she mentioned that, you know, when she asked him about the bowl games, you know, he said, I've never been to New York. It'd be super cool to go to New York. That's true. That's a really good perspective. You know, it's not – yeah, it's a cold-weather game. It, they would probably also love to be on the beach in Florida. <laughs> you know, as in-shape athletes would probably love to be on the beach in Florida. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's also an experience that maybe most – some of them have never been in New York and they get to have kind of a weird game played at Yankee Stadium. I mean, it's a 6-6 six and six bowl. The the part that Ford Field is inside makes it nice that you don't have to freeze. But at the same time, uh, for the players maybe to get experience. I would, as a fan, love to be at the Quick Lane Bowl. I'd love to go to the game. And I also think the matchups look more interesting at the Quick Lane Bowl. I don't think playing Pitt is going to be a very fun watch. Um, Are you kidding me? Narduzzi but, uh, versus D'Antonio? <laughs> that part's going to be fun. I just think the on-field product inside of a baseball stadium that I loathe in the summer uh, is probably not, a for me, very – very much just on myself is not a great uh-huh. experience. I forgot about that uh, aspect as a Red of Sox it. Fan, I don't need to see more of Yankee Stadium. You're, and, uh, you're getting yeah, trolled so, so hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're trolling me hard. They're putting Narduzzi in front of me, uh, who I miss greatly. 
and they put it in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, it is a lot uh, aimed directly at me. And so uh, <laughs> I would enjoy the Brooklyn goal much more. I'll make you feel better. Stuart Mandel thinks it's going to be Michigan versus Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> oh, man. See, Kill me, please. what we were talking about before. I need Michigan-Auburn. They, yes, they, they, I would need love Michigan-Auburn. That's the game. A, I've never That's seen Michigan play Auburn in my life. It would. I don't even know if they've ever played. It would be awesome. I'm like such a sports nerd that I think it would just be cool, let alone to see Michigan and Auburn in the uniform combo on the same field. I think it'd be cool. I think it actually sounds like a really good game. I'm intrigued to see what type of stuff Don Brown could come up with to try and trick a freshman Bo Nix. I mean, I think it sounds like a fun game. If you put Alabama in that same game, I want to die so quick. Like, I've seen Michigan play Alabama once. Didn't go well. Uh, do I think it would go well this year? No. You would need a lot of Alabama resting a lot of guys for the bowl game. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of guys just, choosing to – Just to top yeah. it off, let me watch Michigan have to play against Najee Harris. That would be fun. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be brutal. That'd be like just that'd be like what MSU just had to go through watching Vernon Carey. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. For the love of so, God. So, Brendan, you guys have played Auburn twice, and it looks like the last time was in two thousand and one. Yeah. See, I was two. I was three years old, so I have no recollection. Lloyd Carr versus Tommy Tuberville. Oh my God. And then the first time before that was in nineteen eighty four. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Auburn's largest margin of victory is two points because they beat you 9-7. to seven, <laughs> And you beat them 31-28. So, so, yeah, it's been a close rivalry. Let's, let's make this happen. Yeah. Well, we're going to speak this into existence. This is what we want. This is what the people want. Yes. I think Michigan-Auburn would be way more fun for everybody except for Ohio State and Michigan State fans. Um I think that the Alabama option is obviously more enticing for y'all. But I will say the one upside is guess what bowl game Alabama's going to if they pick Auburn in the Citrus Bowl? The Outback. <laughs> oh, my God. I want Nick Saban having to coach in a game where we have a, a, a man dressed up as a blooming onion and a, and a man dressed up as a uh, coconut shrimp. The, That's what I need. The only I need way on the sidelines for that. The only way it could have gotten better is if this was the year that Ryan Nanny got to be the uh, Bloomin' Onion. Because, the the Bloomin' Onion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so the other option, it's seeming very unlikely based on all the bowl projections I'm seeing. But uh, the other option is Holiday Bowl, and that will be uh, either against USC or Washington. Maybe Oregon, but yeah. So those are the bowl opponents we're looking likely for Michigan. Michigan State. We already talked about. It's almost certainly going to be the bowl game against Pitt in the in the uh, the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, small chance they still get to play in Detroit against either Florida State or North Carolina, but we will see. All because uh, Illinois had to go lose to Northwestern. Yeah, those idiots. Um, so. We will see. By the time our next record, uh, recording comes up next week, we should know bowl destinations. So we will be able to give some quick thoughts on that. 
Now it is time to transition into hockey, where out of 12 points available, our teams took three this weekend. Let's start with Michigan State and Ohio State. Yeah, so we got zero. Uh, so Ohio State got to get the clean sweep over the state of Michigan this weekend. Uh, yeah, so didn't see the game Saturday. Um, was a BTN Plus game, and uh, with the Maryland game, by the time we got over and I got home, I think uh, when I got back to my car on campus, I, I literally think I pulled up the stream of the hockey game uh, as the empty net goal was being scored. <laughs> um, so that's how late in the third period I got to my car. Uh, so didn't check, catch any of Saturday. Uh, Sunday, it. I mean, what, what do you want to say? LSU is a really, really good team. Uh, MSU just couldn't get anything going offensively. Um, you know, outside of power play time, it was basically the ice was tilted towards them the entire night. Uh, held the game to one nothing to give themselves a chance that you know you just get one bounce and you get a tie out of it, or you get uh, you get yourself even. But they never got that bounce. Uh, never really uh, were able to solve Tommy Napier. And with that, uh, you come home with zero points. So no shame in, in losing a couple on the road at OSU. Hopefully when you get them at home, uh, you can get some of those points back. But they got helped out around the league, uh, held on, you know, to a to a fine position with where they're at in the standings. Uh, you know, it helped that the teams behind them had some splits like Michigan and Wisconsin did. Um, so, yeah, big weekend this weekend against Wisconsin to get off the uh, losing streak. Yeah, so obviously the concern is, you know, you play two tight games, both of them two goal losses that were only that way because of an empty net goal. So really should have been just right. one goal losses. You know, you play two tight games on the road in Columbus. That's not something to scoff at. Very similar to when Michigan was there a couple of weeks ago. The problem here for MSU is the one goal between the two games. Um, it really just it, – it, it's a tough one when you can go on the road and really not count on getting any goals. Um, it, was that just from being hemmed in in their own zone or just a strong defensive play from Ohio State? Right. Right. Yeah. So tough weekend. Uh, but, you know, I, I think preseason is one of those like we talked about with the football game, right? Preseason, probably not thinking you're going to get. Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, uh, didn't break that way, but. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have you repeat that thought real quick because. Okay. It cut out just again, and I'm pretty sure the recording comes from my laptop. So <laughs> if I'm not hearing you, no I don't problem. Think no we're problem. You. All right. Um. All right, everybody. Complete apologies because I cannot hear Jeremy, so I'm sure you can't. Um. I'll start talking about Michigan for a minute while we wait, unless Jeremy. Can I hear you now? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, basically what I was just finishing up on was just that, you know, preseason, probably not uh, a bad look to have this be a sweep. 
MSU was probably hoping for better after their their run against Michigan and Notre Dame and Penn State, getting points in those series. Uh, but uh, just got a rebound this week. You just don't want to compound it with two back-to-back weekends. Um, last uh, last series against a league opponent is this weekend uh, before the holiday break. So, uh, and they'll be facing Wisconsin, who you should be aware of because you saw both games this weekend. Yes, I did. Michigan was taking on Wisconsin this weekend in the Big Ten Toilet Bowl. Um, the first night was a rough one. It was basically the same old story of this season. Michigan, well, no, it wasn't because Michigan actually scored two power play goals on Saturday night. Um, and they jumped out to a 2-0 lead. And then Wisconsin came storming back, first on a power play. And then they got another quality goal, five on five. But then uh, it didn't matter because they had a Condre Miller point shot bounce off a Michigan skate and go in to lose three to two. And that's kind of been the summer this year. Uh, They haven't been very good. And then they get some negative puck luck and it goes the other way. Night two was better. They looked determined to get their first big 10 win. And they did. Um, Pretty big win for them, 3-1 over Wisconsin. Same thing, they got they went up 2-0 early, except this time they ended up getting some puck luck. Wisconsin actually hit the post three times. Um, so they got a bit of luck there. Uh, Cole Caulfield ended up sniping one in the third period to make it 2-1, but they, uh, they had a player, I don't remember his name, take an absolutely idiotic penalty that ended up being a five-minute major with about four and a half minutes left when they were down one. So Michigan was able to basically have a power kill and just kill the game off. And eventually they had to pull their goalie to get five on five, and they hit an empty netter. So uh, really, it was was a decent weekend on the road at the Kohl Center. Uh, obviously we want more than three points going in just because of how poorly the big 10 play has gone so far, but going same thing we keep talking about going into the year. If you would have told me against this roster that Michigan's getting an even split at the coal center where they hadn't won in like three or four years, I would have been happy with it. So it's hard to be too upset. Um, definitely better. I think to win the second game. So you can have a little bit of confidence going into this, uh, series against Penn state this weekend. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, a nice win on Saturday night and a good bounce back too because you could, uh, you know, that's you go from 2 nothing up Friday night feeling great, uh, get a nice road win, and then you, you lose the lead there and it's easy to come back the next night and just kind of kind of go through the motions. So I think that uh, speaks well about this team. Uh, they're not giving up. They're going to push the whole season. Yeah, and, and it really is good to see because that kind of feels like what happened against Michigan State, right? They have a 3-1 lead late in the second period, end up losing 4-3 to after blowing a two-goal lead, and then set, they come out in the second game and just kind of looked like they were still wearing that defeat from game one. Um, and, and so it was good to see them actually go out on the road and bounce back this time. And hopefully that's a promise for good things to come this the rest of the season including this series against Penn State. Um, Penn State as a team, they've kind of been up and down in Big Ten play so far. I'm looking at the standings right now, and they are still at the top. Uh, there are only two losses. I think one of them 
is to Michigan State. Don't know about the other one. But um, regardless. Yeah, I think they've got one to us. I think, I think maybe they split with Ohio State early in the year or something. Uh, yeah, I know the one, the one loss is to us. Yeah, it, Ohio State is the other one. So, surprisingly, both their losses come at home so far this year. Uh, but the only road series they've played in Big Ten play was at Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be one for Michigan where, you know, you finally got some good something going your way, and now you have to come back home and host the team that leads the league. If you can get three points out of this weekend, I'm happy. I mean – there will be other opportunities to pick up points. I know it kind of seems cowardly to just be okay with three in a home series, but three or four points this weekend, and I'm I'm happy against Penn State because I think it's time to readjust expectations for Michigan this year. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Penn State's pretty far ahead of probably where Michigan feel like where they're at right now. So I think I think aiming for a series split in points is uh, is is not quite cowardly. It's you know you want more, but it, if the goal is three, you'd be happy with six. But you'll be disappointed they lost. And I think that's probably the better approach for Michigan right now. Yep. And uh, Michigan State hosting Wisconsin. We already uh, kind of alluded to this, but I think this is a really big weekend for Michigan State to prove they're they're a cut above that bottom tier in the Big Ten. I agree. Uh, getting them at home on the smaller ice because the the Cole Center is going to be one that's tough when you play in their barn. Uh, anything less than a four- to six-point weekend would be a disappointment. So I'm hoping for a series uh, sweep, but with Wisconsin's offense, you can never count them out or just assume a sweep's coming. So, um, but yeah, certainly want to see them rebound after, uh, you know, wind comes out of their sails a little bit. Last weekend, you're feeling yourselves. You're in the top 20. Uh, then Ohio State takes care of you. So, Time to uh, rebound, regroup, and and like you said, separate from that tier below you. Yep. Uh, any thoughts on any more thoughts on hockey before we head over to the basketball world? No, it's uh, for you at least. Let's end it on a pretty good note. Let's talk some basketball. Yeah. Um, so, which disappointment do we want to talk about first? <laughs> Yeah, I guess you kind of did cover Atlantis already for you, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we haven't done a show since Atlantis. Yeah, we did. We did one last Friday uh, after after we won. So, oh, that's right. Thursday, yeah. yeah yep, right. So okay. all, we, yep. all we have to talk about for Michigan is that Louisville game before we get the previews. So, um, I, uh, I That's if, understandable, I feel like. It, so it, I, as an outsider, I feel like that game was pretty understandable. Uh, you're oh, coming home from a long trip and uh, – you know, you catch a good team on the road. You you do uh, you catch a really good team. So I do want to just we're not going to spend a ton of time on this purely because I didn't watch. I had a night class from seven to nine forty five. The game started at seven thirty. I DVR'd it and put my phone on airplane mode. But I did tell my girlfriend, "Hey, I'm going to call you when I get out of class. If Michigan lost by ten points or more, just tell me so I don't watch it." If they didn't tell me that I just need to watch the game. And so I called her and she told me they lost by 15. And so I just didn't bother, but I have read up on it. A lot of stuff from UM hoops. Um, and basically the story of the game is this Michigan 
couldn't hit shots because Louisville has a very good pack line defense, similar to Virginia and similar to Wisconsin. And Michigan was just on tired legs too. So that, that's not the excuse, but that is a factor when you're playing a really good defense on the road. Um, last week they had to play three games in three days. And then they had to travel from the Bahamas to Ann Arbor back to Louisville. Um, so, you know, it wasn't great. It didn't really set them up for success, the schedule anyways. You would have had to play a really, really strong game to win. And they didn't. I, I don't think it's a big deal because of what they did in Atlantis. They had nothing to lose here because you went out and won three games in three days against two top ten teams. So it's not really a big deal. Um, and, yeah, I, I think you just move on and try and get a good start in Big Ten play this weekend. I agree. Nothing uh, – I don't think there's anything too much to read into it. Um, you know, it, a, a bad night for the offense, which we haven't really seen since very early in the season. Uh, it would be a concern if you see a couple of these games, you know, put together. Uh, like if you come out this weekend and uh, have that in your Big Ten opener, that might be a concern. but. At this point, no real, no real concern. It's a great defense. Like you said, tired legs. Uh, we have more good video of Michigan than bad at this point. So uh, no, no reason to kind of overreact to that loss. No, and, and just to bring it up, like if we're going to take a positive out of this game, Louisville hadn't played in a week and came out in a game where this was like where they felt like they needed to prove themselves. They hadn't really played anybody bad this year. Michigan's defense still held them to – under 60 points at 0.88 points per possession. That That's good. This this Michigan defense, especially with Franz in the lineup, is real. It is, yeah. I think uh, uh, the game could have been really ugly with how Michigan's offense went, but you were in the game due to your defense. So uh, that's a good sign, um, you know, especially with a, a new coach to see that uh, the the team isn't forsaking defense because they have maybe a little bit more free reign on offense. They're still uh, sticking to their defense principles. So that's, that's encouraging to see early on. It is. Um, do we want to preview Michigan's games this week or get to the MSU Duke and then get to all the previews? Uh, I would say, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm not going to have much of a preview for MSU games. So do you want to, want to jump in and preview a little bit of what you what you expect to see or what you want to see for Michigan's games this week? Yeah, yeah. So Michigan, before our next, uh, between now and our next episode, has Iowa at home Friday night, 6.30, Fox Sports 1. And then they have Illinois on the road. I think it's like 9 o'clock on ESPN on Wednesday. Um, this is two – isn't quite the MSU early season Big Ten schedule – where I'm pretty sure MSU, I know they just play Rutgers, and then I think their only other game is against a bottom-tier team as well. Um, but it is something where you're not having to play some top-tier teams quite yet. Yeah, the other one is Northwestern. So Michigan State gets Rutgers and Northwestern, so they don't even really start Big Ten play till January. But Michigan, yeah, they play Iowa and Illinois. Iowa, if I'm going to give a key to the game here, their defense is atrocious, so you're going to pretty much get whatever you want on them. If you're hitting your shots, you're in good shape. Uh, on the other side of the court, you got to run them off the three-point line, which, good news, Michigan is sixth in the country in running teams off the three-point line. So I don't anticipate this one to be very close. Um, 
the Michigan against Illinois game, Illinois isn't in great form, but I think this is a really good opportunity for a, a first home win that's uh, really solid in the Juwan Howard era. So that's just a couple mini previews for the games next week before we talk again. Michigan should go 2-0, and and we've established that we are looking at Michigan as a Big Ten contender, along with Ohio State, Michigan State, and Maryland. Uh, so you got to start 2-0 and in the Big Ten here. These are two winnable December games. Yeah, two winnable games. I think the key for uh, – my key for Michigan is to uh, make sure you've got some extra chairs in Chrysler, uh, some extra clipboards, because you got – Mad ass Fran McCaffrey coming, so uh, you know, let's let's be careful. Make sure we got some extra chairs in case he wants to uh, get his anger out and lose into a new coach. Oh man, if there's any, there's, if I had to make like a list of top five coaches, I want Jawan Howard to be undefeated against. Um, he's up there. You know, I, you wouldn't think well, of because it's just hundred percent. But, like, it'd be hilarious to me if Iowa just never beats Michigan now that Juwan Howard's a coach. Um, like, obviously, Izzo and Roy Williams and people like that are up there. Coach K, obviously, if Michigan ever plays Duke. But, like, Fran McCaffrey, I'll take that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a fun one to beat. All right. So, let's, uh, let's talk about Michigan State Duke. Ugh. Yeah, there is uh, there's not much positive to talk about. That's for sure. Um, it's all about perspective. You know, it, here's the positive: uh, we retired Draymond Green's number, um, so that's a positive. Uh, but everything else about the night did not go well. Um, I, I will preface this by one thing that's maybe annoyed me in the post reaction to the game. Uh, okay, so Duke Duke lost to Stephen F. Austin. That is true. Uh, Duke is also still a very good team. That is also true. <laughs> um, you would think that MSU went out and lost to Virginia Tech again. Um, no, Duke Duke's a good team, and Izzo is two and twelve against Coach K for a reason. Yes, because uh... beat that Duke team doesn't mean that this one was gonna win. I thought we were gonna win, uh, but I'm also gonna say that. The the reaction's been a little strong uh, to to a December loss to Duke. But before we get into uh, the actual details of the game, I just want to talk Moving for a second. from that, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Um, before we get fully into the details of the game, I just want to make a point to say I think the criticism of this Michigan State team Oh, mother of God. Okay, so sorry, folks. I hope you heard what I just said. Um, if not, I'll reiterate. Uh, sorry about the quality of this episode. This sucks, and I hate doing this. Um, Jeremy, can you hear me? No, he cannot. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, okay. I can Here hear you are. now. Um, yeah. I was just apologizing to the folks about what this episode is going to turn out to be, but we still have valuable <laughs> thoughts to get out there. And then um, you went out again. I Oh God, Jesus Christ! Um, so this Michigan State team had an actual tragedy happen to them, and I can hear you again. <laughs> okay, 
Okay. Um, this Michigan State team had an actual tragedy happen to them. And I feel like the criticism right now on these guys is a little bit too harsh. We went into this year before Zachary Winston passed thinking that this schedule was a gauntlet in the non-conference. And they've had to deal with a personal tragedy to the best player, the best leader on the team as they've gone through this. I'm not saying we should not be criticizing Michigan State, but to act like the sky is falling and that these kids, I literally saw somebody call these kids soft the other day on the internet. And that one is fucking ridiculous. I cannot believe anybody would say that. And I'm not a Michigan State fan. I loathe Tom Izzo. Loathe him. But, like, I love Cassius Winston, and I root for Cassius Winston outside of two to three times a year. And this whole situation is just baffling because I know this Michigan State team came in with super high expectations, and it sucks to see them five and three with the way they've played over the course of this past, last month and a half. But, man, calling them soft, like, come on. Yeah, that's just an old MSU fan, like, trope to do. Uh, because they love to talk about the Tom Izzo wardrobe and everything like that. And so the it, easiest it wasn't, thing they will do. I'll, I'll tell you who it was after we finish recording, but it wasn't. <laughs> okay. Okay. But yeah, but it, I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't some of you fans that are listening or, or that you that people know in their life who have said that though in the, in the time since the game. And that's just because that that's just a thing like like people who don't know basketball like anytime they're actually doing something wrong it's because they're soft or they they don't have marquise gray out there like they used to i don't know man it's just the the uh the basketball discourse uh is not great in the MSU. For, for as good of a team as we've always had uh in my lifetime i am always just shocked and amazed by how bad the basketball discourse is um but uh Moving on from the the you know kind of the narrative around the loss, uh, my biggest takeaway from the game is at this point, and what I put in the notes is that I wish that Aaron Henry would get a little Rocket Watts in him, and that Tom Izzo would treat Rocket Watts a little more like he treats Aaron Henry. Um, and what I mean by that is I wish Aaron Henry had the confidence of Rocket Watts to just keep jacking up shots even though they're not falling. And I would also like Rocket Watts to, you know, maybe have uh, some consequence for when he's just jacking up shots because I have never seen a freshman get away with what he's getting away with this year. And uh, and it's, I think it's, I, I, Brendan Quinn put it best on, the, you know, on his podcast too as well. Is just, I, and, and right now I think Aaron Henry doesn't need to yell. He needs a little bit of just some confidence building, um, you know, build him up a little bit. Uh, instead of continually tearing him down. I completely agree. Um, I, like I said, I really don't know if they're handling this one well because Aaron Henry, I feel like he just needs to be like, go out and do you. Just get the kids yep. some confidence, for God's sakes. He's, and, you know, we're going to end up, whether it's at the end of this year or whether Aaron Henry comes back for a junior year and just is unreal, we're going to be hearing like, oh, this is why you trust Izzo and blah, 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 blah. Has right. anybody thought for a second maybe that the yelling and stuff has stunted the development and maybe slowed it down? Yeah. Yeah, and I know Aaron has said that's like, you know, he responds to that and everything, but 
to me, it, it's fine. I was also someone that responded to that, but, but as a coach, you also have to know that even if they respond to it nine times out of 10, your job is to know when you need to do that, that one time that they need a different tact, you know, a different style. And I, and I think Aaron hit that point right now. Um, you know, and then the other thing about the game, you know, in within the game was that uh, right now, as this team goes, uh, Xavier Tillman goes, uh, or probably more vice versa, as Xavier goes, this team goes, and he needs to stay on the floor. Uh, I don't know if we just need to play some softer defense and, and take, them, uh, you know, the increased points given up against, because when he's off the floor, uh, it's more important to have him on the floor offensively than it is to lose him to two fouls on the defensive end in the first half. Yeah, I think he needs some of the – so last year that was the discussion with John Teske where – but he would kind of play a little bit soft defense for 10 minutes, and once he got through those 10 without a foul, that's where you would see the real John Teske defense come out. And maybe that's what they need to start doing at MSU – but I also don't know if it's a conditioning thing. I don't know. But, yeah, the I'm not a big plus-minus guy as, a like, a reliable stat in pretty much any sport. But the plus-minus for Tillman on and off the court is pretty significant. Yeah, it's staggering. And, and I think the thing – I don't know if it's a conditioning. I think the biggest issue he's facing is uh, having to be more of a true five this year where he really is probably a four. Um, but – you know, just, just due to, you know, maybe the one thing this team is really missing right now more than anything outside of, like, a confidence or just the mental state of where they're at is they don't have a real true five to lean on right now. So he's learning the role. He's learning the new position uh, and the, the increased responsibility that's coming with it. Um, but, yeah, we, we maybe do need to go to a soft defense early and keep him on the floor because when he goes out, it's, uh, it's not good. But but moving on from this game, uh, just so we can we can wrap up before we have more Wi-Fi issues. Uh, just like football, Brendan, nothing clears out the sinuses like playing Rutgers. Uh, so hopefully, everything just gets worked out Sunday when they play Rutgers, and uh, they can feel good about themselves going into a what's always a tricky game against Oakland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Michigan State has a real chance here to get things figured out before January 5th when Michigan comes into Breslin because, yeah, their next three games are Rutgers, Oakland, and Northwestern. And I have never heard of a streak of technically respectable but not actually opponents ever. Um, so, And then I think they have a couple bye games before Big Ten play starts again. But – yeah, Michigan State has yeah. a real chance to correct this, and I would warn any Michigan fans getting excited because you think this state team that was so hyped up is out of things. Don't get your goddamn hopes up because they're going to be good in a couple months. They're going to be really good in a couple months. And I'm actually just happy Michigan gets them at Breslin so early in the year because I think that gives a Michigan a pretty decent chance. Yeah, yeah, it does. And – uh yeah, so hopefully they can figure themselves out. I will say my last thing on the Duke game, uh, I just feel bad for Foster Lawyer, man. Um, I, 
<laughs> he has been made into a complete internet meme, and I'm gonna go pop a bear and make excuses for him. Yeah, he slipped and fell in Maui on a floor that everyone was falling on, and then, it, oh man, the play against Duke. First of all, doesn't even trip over himself. If you watch Trey Jones actually clips his ankles a little bit, which is starting him to fall. And then he just gets stepped on and called for a foul in the process. Oh, um, my God. Without a doubt, one of the funniest things I've ever seen on the basketball court. Like, oh, oh my God. And, you know, there's a – just feel bad. Foster Lawyer is at least always going to get a little bit of extra hate from Michigan fans, maybe more than he deserves just because of the proximity of uh, him and David DeJulius in that recruiting class and lawyer winning Mr. Basketball over him. Right. Um, right. I almost feel bad for the kid, but then I remember that I'm a Michigan fan and I don't have to. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, so I just feel bad. He had a great game in the Big Ten tournament last year where he just went off spur, like, spur of the moment. I yeah, kind I of remember hope that. he has one of those soon because I just – I just feel bad for him. I just need something good for Foster. He seems like a great kid. I just want him to uh, – he's going to live with that meme probably for the rest of his career as long as it may go. And uh, so I'm hoping he gets himself a good game and uh, at least at least he can chuckle about it and, and feel confident in himself. <laughs> That's yeah. what, I mean, I'm laughing. So it was just – it was literally like the perfect meme uh you can put a surfboard on him you can do the spartan 300 thing from three you know <laughs> getting kicked down the well uh, uh, it was the most ridiculous thing too because like you know what that play was that was jk dobbins fumbling to himself and getting the ball back yeah uh when when a duke player is stepping his chest on a guy who fell and is trying not to follow trey jones and then duke gets the call yeah yeah the That's duke exactly reps travel so. Yeah, this week sucked. And then I had to watch Everton get absolutely stomped by Mich- by Liverpool's second team. They didn't even put up. Yeah, this has been a week, man. Brandon, you put yourself there, man. And and so we're going to end on some fun here. I want to talk about the ESECPN bias. Uh, Brandon, Justin Rogers was in the building being recruited by Mark D'Antonio, and they never showed it because he's supposed to go to Kentucky. The SEC and ESPN, Brendan, connect the dots. Oh, yeah, man. You know they stand for Kentucky football. Yeah. Yeah, Kentucky football. (laughs) They're carrying water for Kentucky football. Oh, my God. Release the emails. Release the – I don't know what emails to release, but release them all, ESPN. 